Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, somebody say not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall, what? Die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Somebody say mortify. That means to kill. That means to kill. If you kill the deeds of the body, how many knows that our body is full of evil deeds? And I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved. I don't care how righteous you think you are. Your body has deeds that need mortified. Amen. I have thoughts. I have things in, that dwell on the iniquities that dwell on the inside. I need to kill. I need, I need to be dead. Somebody say amen. Do mortify or kill the deeds of the flesh. Ye shall live. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I want to speak to you for just a little while this morning on this thought. What is occupying your promise? What is occupying your promise? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for the breath in my lungs. I thank you, Lord, for the blood that circulates in my veins. I thank you for another opportunity that I could stand before your throne and offer up worship, Lord, to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the earth, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your will in your way today among us, Lord. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our eyes that we may see. Open our souls that we may receive what you would have us to receive that we may be changed today in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, change me today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray you may be seated in the house and wherever you are. I hope you were standing for the reading of the word. I really didn't say anything about that, but you know, you'll know next time, right? Oh, thank you, sister, for playing me the little intro there like that. Yep. Amen. How many knows that as believers, we are called out of our lives of sin, and the Bible says, into a new and living way? Okay, how many knows that there's a reason that God reached down and plucked you out of whatever pit you were in? There's a reason for the kingdom. There's a kingdom reason that God reached down and plucked you out of from where you, where you were. Amen. Somebody say amen. And we are called out. To be able to put off the deeds, put off the old man. Bible said, Paul, brother, or Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul said all those things. He is our brother. I think he he probably wasn't a pastor, I don't think, but he was an apostle to the Lord. He said that I put put off the old man of flesh. He says, I die daily. Okay, he said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the Lord. What's a sacrifice go, but on the altar to be killed? Somebody say amen. amen. So we're called out for a reason. God reaches into our lives, and for whatever reason, he finds in our hearts a reason to save us. How many knows that he had to look, I know in me, in my own personal experience, I don't know you or where you were, but he reached into a pit and pulled me out from where I was. And I guarantee if there was anything good in my heart, he had to look long and hard to find it because my heart was pretty black. It was pretty dark. It was pretty, I was in a bad way. Somebody say amen. But for some reason, he saw fit to reach down and give me another chance and to pull me out and to save my soul. He, and he, he pulled us all out. But we're all pulled out for a reason. How many knows that we all have a use in the kingdom? How many knows that he didn't just save us to, to sit us on a pew to look pretty on Sunday? He's got a use for us, each and every one of us, in the kingdom of the Lord. The Bible says we are our body jointly fit together. We are members in particular. That means that I can't do your job. That means that you can't do my job. That means that we all have a place in the kingdom to work our work and to do, our will, do his will in our lives. And for the kingdom of the Lord, somebody say amen. 
We're called to live a life that's separated and holy before the Lord. People are supposed to see us, okay, and want to be us. Somebody say amen. If you're, if you call, if you're naming the name of the Lord and you walk around with a frown on your face, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Okay, if you're naming the name of the Lord and you walk down, look, walk around looking like that your dog just died, that your, that your, the last rose of summer just died, and you're getting ready to see the snow. How many knows I hate winter? I hate the snow flying. Okay, and that puts me in a foul mood. My wife and I, we both really like summertime, and I hate to see it going. I, you know, I don't hate fall. People say, oh, I love fall. I don't like it because the winter's coming. Okay, but understand that I should still get up in the dead of winter when it's 20 below. I should still get up with a smile on my face knowing what God has done in my life. And I'm living in a blessed life that I do not deserve. Somebody say amen. But we're supposed to be walking around separated. We're supposed to be walking around uh, with a smile. We're supposed to be an inspiration for folks to want to know him. We're living, a pe we're living in peace, Brother Russell. We're living in blessing. That people should want somebody to say amen. amen. So we're called out. We're, call, we're not supposed to be what we were. Somebody say amen. On Thursday night, pastor preached about Abraham. And he preached about how that the Lord called him out of Mesopotamia, out of Ur, of the Chaldees. Okay? Not knowing where he was going, but he called him out. And Abraham went. Somebody say, so he brings him to the promised land, but how many knows that Abraham really didn't possess the promised land? He passed through it, and God gave the promise to Abraham, and then subsequently to Isaac, then subsequently to Jacob, that they would possess this land that he was in. But then, everybody knows the story. Jacob was living there. It, he hadn't possessed it all, okay? Grandson of Abraham understood the promise, okay? But there was a famine in the land, and he ended up in Egypt, okay? Now, I don't want to, I'm not, that's not what this is about, okay? I'm not going to tell you why he went to Egypt and why. How many knows that sometimes we go through things just to purify us? How many knows that sometimes Egypts in our life are there in order to work a work in us that can't be done any other way? You could, you could tell, if I'm telling you right now that I would not be standing here in front of you today unless things had happened in my life that happened. The bad things that put me in the pit, I would not be here without my Egypt. Somebody say amen. So he ends up in Egypt, okay? And then they end up slaves, okay, right? When they first went there, they were celebrated, right? Joseph was, was second in command. He, he saved everyone. But how many knows that he went, uh, that as time progressed, the, the Hebrews became slaves, and they were building things and not getting paid for it. Now, I like building things, but I like getting paid for it, okay? I don't mind building anything you want, but I like to get, I need to eat, right? If you said, hey, you're going to come and do all this work for me, and I'm going to give you a ham sandwich for a week's work, I'm going to be like, that's not how it works, okay? I need to eat just like you do, right? So understand that building things and not getting paid for it's no fun. But how many knows that there came a time, okay? Remember, there's still a promise, okay? There's still a promise that exists on these people, okay? There's still a promise. There's still, there's still a reason. There's still a place that they're supposed to be, right? And they're not there yet. How many knows one time, you know, because of the promise he made to Abraham, you knew they weren't staying in Egypt, Right? God knew that they weren't staying in Egypt, whether they knew it or not. Now, it tells you in Genesis, uh, uh, I can't remember the chapter, but it talks about how they, they would be there 400 years or four, four, four generations, it says. Okay? Because the, because the sin of the Amorites was not yet full. That'd be hard to swallow. I got to stay here because somebody else is not done sinning. Okay, I got to live as a slave because God's given these other people up here a chance to fix things, right? He's saying, he said, how many knows that God has a timing for everything? And I, I tell you what, in my life, I could have used salvation long before I got it. But how many knows I wasn't ready for salvation right then? Amen. There came a time when I was ripe 
for salvation. There came a time when I was broken enough, when I was sick and tired of where I was living enough to be saved. Somebody say amen. But the purpose was fulfilled in Egypt, and it came time to be brought out. Now, everybody knows, if you've read Exodus, you understand the miracles that were wrought in bringing out the children of Israel and freeing them from their bondage. Now, I don't know about you, but I know there's many around here, many people that I know that can tell stories. I teach the Acts class, and I tell you what, there's stories in there. There's people that can tell you stories about how God reached in their life and performed miracles to bring them out of their Egypt. I'm here to tell you, I don't know where you are today, but God can do anything. If he could part the Red Sea for those people, he could fix the things in your life. Somebody say amen. But God brought them out. He brought them out. He took it. He, they went there, but he brought them out. Okay. I don't know where you are. It's not, it's not God's will for you to be in bondage. It's God's will for you to be free in the Lord. Somebody say amen. But God brought them out and he became their guidance and their provision. They walked through the desert on their way to the promised land. They had a pillar of fire that was leading them by day and a pillar of fire by night. They ate manna that rained down from heaven. So their very they got water from a rock. Their very existence in that wilderness was a miracle from the Lord. Somebody say amen. Now, I don't know how I made it. There was a time in my life when I was in my wilderness, and I'd made the decision to leave. I'd made the decision to bow my knee and to repent, but I was still blinded. I was still stumbling around, not know, really knowing where we're going. How many, ever, how many were there? How many understood when you knelt your knee, you got up from there, you didn't know where you were headed. You didn't know where your robe was going to take you. But you knew for some reason that God, how many knows God provides? He provides. There was a time in my walk when I couldn't pray for myself. There was a time when I could lay upon my bed and I could not sleep. Okay, there was time after I'd repented that I was still in the bondage of the things. I was still trying to come out. And I would, I would text Josh. I would text my pastor Josh. I would text my dad, my uncle, my pastor Bounds, whoever I could. Say, pray for me today. I'm really struggling. I couldn't even pray for myself. But how many knows that God knows? He knows where we are. He knows what we need right? He prepared manna to rain down before he ever took them out of the promised land. That plan was already laid out. He already had the water in the rock waiting to come out to, to, to give the people to drink. He already had that tree that was growing by the bitter waters of Mora. He said it was already growing there. All you got to do is chop it down and let it, you're going to have water to drink. He already had all that laid out. He had my path laid out, even though I couldn't see it, right? But God became their guidance. And along the way, as they walked out of this into that wilderness, there were enemies of their salvation. There were enemies of their freedom. Anybody ever heard of the Amalekites? Attacked them when they were weak. The Midianites attacked them. The Moabites tried to get them cursed. Remember? How many knows there's people in our lives, some of them in our lives, some of them very close to us, that are enemies of our salvation? Somebody say amen. There's people that are close to you that do not have the, the best, your best interest of heart. There's friends that are in your life. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. That need to be cut loose. And you need to watch out. And how many knows the salvation of the Lord is the most important thing you're ever going to achieve on this earth? I don't care what kind of bank account you have or what kind of, of a house or a home you live in, what kind of family you have. The word of the Lord and the salvation of the Lord is the most important thing in your life. Somebody say amen. But along the way, they met the Midianites, they met the Amalekites, they met the Moabites. How many has ever heard the story of Balak and Balaam? Somebody say amen. There's lots of folks that we encounter along the way that are enemies of our salvation. And then there's that time when they came to the promised land. And they stepped up and they saw the River Jordan, Brother Smith. And they said, we finally made it. Whoa, look at that. We're here. All that, all that walking. All that, all that trusting, all that, all that, all that wondering, all that doubt, all, all those things that pass through. How many knows when things aren't great, you, your faith kind of wavers maybe sometimes. And you start to look at the things around you, you know, say, you know, we were in Egypt, we were slaves, but we're in a desert right now. Somebody say amen. How many knows there was a time when, when you, there, I guarantee you that it passed your mind after you'd repented that the Lord, that something, it wasn't the Lord, but something came into your mind that said, why are you doing this? What's the point? Were things really that bad back there? You know, you had, you knew where you were, you knew who you were. How many knows that, that we had to keep walking? You had to keep your faith. And then there came a day when and they stepped up to the promised land and they saw the Jordan River right there. And they said, they looked over and they saw the green lush valleys and they said, we finally arrived at our destination. Somebody say amen. 
So they chose 12 spies, and they went out there. They checked out the land, and they came back, and they said, wow. I know they said this was a good land, but it's a really good land. How many knows the promises of God? Living in the provision of the God is a good land. How many knows it's a good land? Okay. But there was also something else they saw there. They saw some giants. Okay. Now, ten of them, after they come through the wilderness, they come, they've been provided by, by God for every need. And they come through the wilderness, even when they grumbled, even when they complained. How many knows we don't always deserve the blessings of God? Amen. And there were times when I'm sure he wanted to just, I mean, he told, Mo, he told Moses, he said, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start again with you. And it's because of Moses, no, Lord, give him another chance, right? So understand that when those 10 came back from the, for, with the evil report and all the fear gripped the people, and Caleb and Joshua was like, no, no, folks, we're here, okay? The Lord, he, you saw what he did to Pharaoh, and you saw how he provided. He, well, let's go in and do it, right? But there's some people, they come to the edge of their promised land, and they start to waver because, see, back in the wilderness, there was no giants back there. Some, you know, the devil doesn't care if you want to wander around in your wilderness as long as you want to. As long as you don't step into the promises of God, because if you wander long enough in the wilderness, you're going to die. Somebody say amen. You see, understand that back in the wilderness, you know, it was a little dry. And it, and it was a little, you know, we had to, we ate this bread all the time. And we had to, but there were no giants to fight. Okay? Now, how many knows if we're going to step into our promises? There's some things that we're going to have to battle in our lives. There's some things that we're going to have to cut down. There's some work that we're going to have to do in the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. But some people, they come to the, the edge. You, know, you see somebody and they're doing so good. They're doing so well. My, my wife would look at me and say, they're doing good. Right there. They're doing so well. Okay? And you wonder, oh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in so-and-so's life. But then they start to see the obstacles. And then the next thing you know, they're not at church. And then they're not there again. And all of a sudden, they disappear. Okay? That's because their fear, their faith has weakened because they've seen some giants in their life. They've seen some things that they don't think they can overcome. And now how many knows that the Lord will point them out to you? Okay? You may go, you may go into salvation as a child thinking everything is hunky-dory, but it won't be long before you start to grow up and the God starts to, the Lord starts to point things out. Now this has to go, and that has to go, and this has to go, and that has to go. If you're going to be with me, this has to go, Brother Smith. This has, you got to fix this relationship. Look, you, you can't live like this. You can't do this. You can't go here. You can't, you, you can't do that anymore. Okay? And granted, it's the, the, the pastor's job to guide, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes the conviction. So if you're mad about what's coming forth from the pulpit, okay, you just need to look in your own life. Okay, we talked about rebellion a few weeks ago. We talked about all that. You got to understand that, that, that the word doesn't come forth for no reason. Amen. There's, there's things that I got to get going or I'm never going to get done with this. But how many knows that they went back out into the wilderness? And Moses was like, oh. And Joshua was like, oh. And Caleb was like, oh, man. Then they said, well, going back. Well, then the people said, oh, no, we're going to go ahead. We'll just, we'll just go in ourselves and take it. Oh, we changed our mind. Oh, well, that didn't work either. How many knows you're going to do it God's way or you're not doing it? That's just how it is. You're going to be in line with the word of God. You're going to be in line with the truth of the word. You're going to be in line with authority in your life or you're not going to, you're not going to, God's not going to allow you to, you're not going to live in the promises of God without living in obedience. Trust me, it's not going to happen. So they went back out in the, into the wilderness and they wandered around for a while. And sometimes you've seen folks and they've backed away from the Lord. And then you see them a few weeks later or a month later, and they're back to their old habits. And they've fallen back into the things that, that, that the Lord had seemingly brought them out of. And how many knows that it's that, those times when my heart just really, truly breaks, okay? Number one, I, I, I cry out in mercy and thankfulness for the Lord that he allowed me to not fall back to where I was. But at the same time, I'm crying out these people's name in prayer, saying, Lord, Lord, why, why, why? And how many knows there's something in us that has... The rebellion has to die. The rebellion in us has to die. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. They went out in the wilderness and they wandered around, okay? Now their clothes lasted. The Bible says that their shoes didn't even wear out while they walked in the wilderness. But there, there came a time when everybody who had rebelled against the Lord was dead. Okay, you had a hole in there. How many knows that some, God will let you walk around? 
He'll let you walk around on your, in your, at your own peril in the wilderness, okay, until the rebellion dies. Until the rebellion has to be gone. You have to be in line with what's going on. Somebody say amen. They wandered 40 years until all the fearful folks were dead. And when and they get to the point they had enough. Now, how many knows we as people, you know, you wander around in your wilderness and you get to the point where you say, Lord, are your promises real or not? Okay, I'm sick and tired of living here. I'm sick and tired of the mediocrity. I'm sick and tired of feeling you sometimes and not feeling you sometimes. And the Lord always says the same thing. The ball's in your court. You're the one carrying the rebellion. I haven't moved. Okay. Pastor preached it the other night. God hasn't moved. Okay. God is still the same God that he was when he created the heavens and the earth. Somebody say amen. I said, I am the Lord. I change not. Okay, so what the thing, the thing I promise you, if you're in conflict with the authority of God, if you're in conflict with the will of God in your life, what needs to change is you. If I'm in conflict with the word of the Lord in my life, I'm what needs to change. Okay, me. There's something else that I need to deal with. And somebody say amen. But you're going to get to the point, if you're going to choose, you're either going to die in the wilderness or you're going to change. You're either going to die in the wilderness or you're going to accept the changes that God's proposing because you can't have it both ways. You can't. There's, there's, a, there's a doctrine out there right now, and it's a doctrine of devils that says that you can live any way you want after you've named the name of the Lord one time. i got to tell you that that's not how it works. It's not biblical. It doesn't line up with any of this scripture that we read. Understand that if something, if you're going to live in the promises of God or revelation of God, you're going to live in obedience to God. Somebody say amen. I can't say it any other way. When they, when they got ready to take the promised land in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 20, we read, it says, But in the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Let's let that sink in a minute. But of the cities of the people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. No one's to be left. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, okay, the Amorites. And this is just naming the Amorites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. They were just generic names of the people that lived in the different regions of the promised land, okay? If you do the, do the work now... Uh, we're going to get to something later. I need to point that out to you now. But it said, and the Jebusites said, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord God hath commanded thee. Okay, why? Why does everybody have to die? The men, the women, the children, the animals, everything. Now, I have, I have done studies on this, and there was something. Now, we don't need to get into that. That's not what this is about. But understand, there was something on the inside of those people that God did not want near his people. There was something that was going on in that land that God did not want near them. Okay? There was something that was existed in those peoples that God didn't want infecting his people. Somebody say amen. And the verse 18 says that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done under their gods. So should ye sin against the Lord your God. Understand that there's things in our lives. There's things that we come in contact with. There's things that's existing all around us that, are, that would infect our life and to change our worship before the Lord. And it would soil our robes. How many knows he said he's coming back for a bride that's without spot, without wrinkle, to be buried at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Understand, he's not going to accept any dirty robes. He's not going to accept anything that you got, that any, other, any old way you want to worship him. You worship him in spirit and in truth or you won't worship him at all somebody say amen and all these people around us today and they're they're, they're living these half truths and these and, and they're they're living in, in their fantasy land where, where where they understand they'll read these scriptures and they say wow the god of the old testament he was really a bloodthirsty monster how many knows but that was our king of kings that was our lord of lords then that is now somebody say amen how many knows that god doesn't change Okay, Bible says that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It says that he, everything was created by him and for him. Somebody say amen. 
So we have to understand there's a lot of people that want to cut the New Testament and the Old Testament. And when doing that, they cut the law and the prophets and they change Jesus into something that he's not. Understand that we've got to take the whole roll. Ezekiel had to eat the whole roll. He said, although it was honey in my mouth, it was bitter in my belly. There's things that have to die in order for us to live. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody say amen in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. He said to utterly destroy them. But I read you or quoted this a little while ago. I guess I did put it in my notes. Genesis 15, 16 said that they would stay in, the, in, the, in Egypt until the fourth generation. It's Genesis 15, 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again or to the promised land again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Okay. So understand that there's a timing in everything that God does. But understand, let's debate this for a minute. Is God a homicidal maniac? I mean, obviously not. Okay? If that was the case, he'd have killed me. I'm not kidding. I was full of pride. I was full of anger. I had murder in my heart. I did. Understand. If anybody deserved to die, I did. Okay? I knew the truth, and I walked away. If anybody did, if he's a homicidal maniac, he would have killed me. Some may say amen. But he said, nothing that breatheth shall be left. Okay? That's the extent that God hates sin. That's the extent that God will go. That's, the, that's how far God will go to keep you pure, to keep his people pure. He said everything that even the little babies, even everything that's living in that city, you will utterly destroy because I don't want it infecting you. I don't want you learning the abominations. I don't you, want you walking after those other gods. Understand that that's how far he will go to keep you pure. And they'll teach you. You think you don't get infected by things. But I've, in, the, in, in the last few years, I've really rededicated myself to the Word of God. And I start, I, you know, God really dealt with me. Throw out everything I think I know about the Lord and begin to read and believe. And understand my thoughts on a lot of things have changed. So understand that you think you don't have any abominations. You think you're adhering to the Word. Just do that one time. Just pray to the Lord, God, help me to throw out everything I know. And let me read and believe, and we'll find out. Just if you're pure in heart and seek after the Lord, you'll find him. And you'll find that you have a lot of things in your life that are not pleasing in his eyes. There's a lot of things that go on in the church here in America that are not pleasing in the, in the sight of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you now that those things have to die. If we're going to live, those things have to die. Somebody say amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Joshua warns of this dire undertaking. He brings all the people, and pastors preach this many times, brings them to Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim, and he puts half the people on one side and half the people on the other. See, understand that, that if the preaching of the word is truth, there's not going to be any excuses for when, for when we get to, to answer for what we did or what we didn't do. We're, we're going to understand that the Spirit of God dealt with us, and we were warned. Amen? Somebody say amen. You're not going to ever you're not gonna stand before the Lord and point your finger at somebody else and say, it's their fault. They taught me wrong, or they thought, this Bible, you, you carry it to and from church, you need to get it open and get it on the inside of you. And if what you're hearing at your church doesn't line up with it, you need to find yourself another place to worship. Somebody say amen. amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, See, I have set before thee this day life and death. You know, you have a choice. Good and evil. Okay, he, he illustrated by the two mountains. Okay, he said, look, life, death, it's set before you today. Okay, but he said, now, each person had to walk through there. And they had to hear the curses. And they had to hear the blessings. And he, the Lord said, he, let's read it. It says, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God. He commands us to love him. Jesus said, in the loving, loving Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, might, and loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills the whole law. Okay? Everything that we do can be set good and evil. It can, can, can be set in the category, do we love the Lord or do we not? Do we love our neighbor or do we not? Some may say amen. It says, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. He wants us to live. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to multiply. Okay? Remember that scripture, many arrows in your quiver. 
Amen. He wants you to live a blessed life. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. He commands you to love and obey him. Okay. Now the love part, everybody could say, I love God. Okay. All right. But what did we say a few weeks ago? The ultimate, the ultimate showing of whether or not you respect your father is whether or not you obeyed him. The ultimate, you could say it, you can kiss him, you can hug him. You can, you can uh, when everybody's around, you can buy him big expensive birthday presents. But how many know that, when, that, that the only thing that mattered was whether or not you listened and obeyed his words. Though that was determined how much you loved or didn't love your dad. Okay? That's the same with the Lord. You know, you, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't keep them, you don't love me. Okay? That's the inference there. Understand, says, but if thy, but then he goes with the curses. They say, everybody that passed through this valley, and now understand, everybody that passes through the valley into the promised land has to understand the blessings, and they have to understand the curses. It says, but if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear. There's a lot of people sitting. There's a lot of people on the sound of my voice today, wherever you are, that will not hear. Okay, so that thou, if thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away. And to worship other gods and to serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish. And that ye shall not prolong your days upon that land. Whither thou passest over Jordan to go and possess it. He says, you're going in. If you listen to me, you're going to possess it. You're going to live in blessing. You're going to multiply but if you don't listen and you don't obey, you're going to die and you're not going to be there long. Amen. Understand, obedience is everything. I, and he says this, he says 30 and 19, there could be, there's not going to be any excuses. He says, I call heaven and earth, every being that's in heaven, every being that's in earth, okay? Everybody that's ever going to read this word, I call to record against you this day. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life. That both thou and who? Thy seed can live. There's your seed. Understand that where you sit today. Your decisions don't just affect you. Understand that there's little ones. There's iniquity. That you're allowing to live in your flesh that's going to go on and on and on and on and on. Understand, there's things that need to be killed. There's things that need to die. And that thou mayest love the Lord thy God. And that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him. That means hold to him for dear life. I hold to him for dear life. I've seen myself without him. Oh, I've seen where I could be without him. I cleave unto him for dear life. I, Brother Smith, I can't last a day. I can't live a day without his mercy. I can't live a day without his strength. I can't live a day without what he does for me in my life. Understand that I'm just one bad decision away, just like everybody else of being back where I was. Understand that we have to cleave to him every day and obey his voice. Some may say amen. For he is thy life. For he is thy life. And he's the length of thy days. He is my life. He's the length of my days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham and to Jacob to give it to them. He says, I am your life. I'm your length of days. I'm the one that's going to provide. I'm the one that's going to obey me and live. But as we move forward, and we all know this, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm sorry, I can't help but get emotional when I think of what he's done for me. I can't help but to cry, I can't help but to be thankful for what the Lord has done in my life. I can't help it. If, if it turns you off, turn it off. I can't help it. I can only be who I am. I can only be who I am. Joshua 13, 13 says, nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Whenever you hear nevertheless, they're getting to tell you something bad. Whenever, nevertheless, or but, or if. Big words, right? Big meanings. Nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Geshurites. I want you to put a little pin in that name because you're going to see it later. The Geshurites, 
nor the Ma'akites, Ma'akathites, but the Geshurites and the Ma'akathites dwell among the Israelites to this day. So, now, the Geshurites and the Ma'akathites, you can look it up, they were Canaanites. Okay? They should have been expelled. How many knows that there's sometimes in our lives where we clean it up pretty good and we're pretty good listening to certain things, you know, pretty, pretty good about getting certain things. And the big stuff is easy, okay? The big stuff that you could see, okay? My drug abuse had to go. My alcohol had to go. My alcoholic ways had to go, okay? My anger, angry ways, my, uh, my fighting ways, my, my, you name it. There's big things that you could see had to go. But understand Understand that the little things, there's still little things that God begins to point out to you. Okay, the Geshurites, okay, it's just one tribe. The Maakathites, okay, they, they, their beliefs are almost like ours. Okay, they, they, they don't do anything too bad. Okay, but understand, he said to expel them all. I don't want them near you. I don't want the abominations near you. I don't want you learning things that I don't want you to learn. I want you to be innocent, and I want you to be pure before me. Well, how many knows that when we stand before the Lord, you know, it's only through his blood that we can be innocent and pure. But when he points something out that says this needs to go, it needs to die. It needs to die. Somebody say amen. But it wasn't long, and it, it just kind of goes on. It, you read across that, and you just kind of go on, you know. And it, but it says, and, and then it wasn't long before their path was corrupted. And you get the judges. And it says this. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If you, if, let me tell you this. If your judgment of right and wrong is based ultimately on your own carnal and vain thoughts, you're in big trouble. There's a lot. Of, I mean, we have a morality that we see around us. We know we're not supposed to kill our neighbor, okay? We know we're not supposed to go next door and steal something out of his garage when he's not home. We know that, okay? But understand, if moral right and wrong exists in our own, in our own vain imaginations, how many knows that we can have 100 people and 100 people uh, say what's right and wrong? Is this right or wrong? And you're going to have 100. You could have 100 different answers. Understand that the Word of God spells it out, what's right and wrong. We need to understand that our thoughts and our feelings about issues do not matter when it comes to salvation or our eternity. Understand that what we think about things that are preached or not preached, understand that it means nothing in the in the eternal word of God, in the eternal scheme of things, understand that the only thing that stands is the word of God. Understand it. But all through the book of Judges, Israel battles idolatry. They battle the lure of sin. We read about Gideon. We read about Deborah. We read about Samson. We read about all these different judges in Israel and how that the, the people would, 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 come, would fall away, fall away, fall away. Something bad would happen. They would be getting uh, raided by whoever, you know. And, and all of a sudden, uh, a guy would rise up and say, change your ways, change your ways. People would get behind him. They would route a victory, and then everything would be good for a while. And then that guy would go away. And the next guy would come along, and pretty soon they were doing the same thing over again. How many knows there's people that live among us? There's people that worship among us, that live a life of sin and repentance, that live a life just circular in, they're out. They're up, they're down. They're never truly victorious. Understand that there's things in their life that have to die. Understand that there you can't do it for them. You cannot make those decisions for them. You can't go, the, go to their house and go through their things and throw out things that need to go. You can't do that. Understand that the only place that can take place is inside them. And understand that if those idols don't come down, they're not going to make it. Understand if those things aren't killed, if those things aren't gotten rid of or rooted out of their life, understand that they're not going to make it. But there's people. I've been there. I've been there. Sin repentance. Sin, repentance, just things that I can't seem to get rid of, the iniquity, something on the inside of me. It's just things that always seem to resurface in my weak moments. How many knows that we're, we are not, we don't, we are all the same when it comes down to that. We all have iniquity. We all have the sin. We all have the flesh, Brother Smith, that rises up. We all have it. And understand, I got to be ready to die daily. I got to be ready to put it on the altar, just like you do. I got to be ready. We all got to be ready to put what needs to be killed on the altar. But understand, judge would arise and he'd fix things. Then the people would fall into it again. 
and there's people that will get victory. Something will come into the life, some kind of a, of a, of a, a catastrophe, and there's mayhem that will come into their life, and they'll run to the altar, and they'll cry out to the Lord, and we'll pray for them, and we'll help them, try to help them. And when they get back on their feet, and they think, oh, I'm okay now, I'm okay, I'll go on my way. And it's not long. It's not long. See, when we're weak, we always, how many knows, how many's ever heard the, the term crutch used? Okay. How many knows when we're injured, we all reach for crutch? Okay. We could preach about the crutches all we want. We could preach about drug addiction. We could preach about alcoholism, illicit sex, pornography, whatever it is. We could preach about the crutches all day long. But how many knows that the injury has to be addressed? Okay. The fact that we're not, that that person won't be obedient to the moving of the Spirit in their life. How about the fact that they just won't kill those things in their life? So whenever something happens, they reach for that crutch, something to lean on. We're all the same, folks. We are all the same. And we can preach about the crutches, and we can preach about the evils of this and that. How many knows that obedience to the Word of God has to exist in our life, or we're never going to be whole? Somebody say amen. If you don't kill it, if you don't, Brother Smith, I was sick last few weeks. Okay, I had the, yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Okay, but before that, I had a sinus infection. And my wife said, man, after a few days, she said, you should go to the doctor and get an antibiotic. And it was a true sinus infection. Okay, I'm medically trained. I understand the difference between virus infection and a bacterial infection. And I had a bacterial infection. This was not the dreaded thing that everybody, it wasn't that yet. Okay, and, I, and I, my wife said, you need to go get an antibiotic. And quit dealing with that because I have bad sinuses. I have bad allergies. I got to take sinus medicine all, all year round. And she said, why don't you stop dealing with that and go get a, med a medicine? And then if you, I, I dealt with it for like 10 days, 15 days, something like that. And then she got one. And she had it one day and she went to the doctor and got an antibiotic. Boom. Done. So finally I went, okay. Hard-headed man, you know, understand that. I'm as hard-headed as, the, I mean, my head is as hard as that pavement out there. I'm telling you that right now. And she knows it. She shakes her head. Yeah, go, go ahead and deal with it then, you know. But they give me an antibiotic, and they say, make sure you take it all. Okay. Now, why is that? Now, I know why. I've been medically trained. But why? Why do they tell you, Brother, Brother Smith? Why do they tell you? Because, you know, you may get to feeling better, but that thing may not be totally gone. Okay. So there's a reason why they say finish your antibiotic. Well, I'm telling you, if you don't totally kill something that's in your soul, you're going to see it again. I promise you. And what, when that stuff attacks is when your immune system's weak, when something else has happened, and all of a sudden it's come back, but now it's resistant to that antibiotic that you had. How many knows that when the devils go out and they walk through dry places, when they say, I'm going to return, I'm going to take seven buddies with me that are eat more evil than I am. Understand that the next time you deal with it, it's going to be a little harder. Understand you better get a hold of it. You better start. We better start understanding that if we don't kill it, we're going to see it again. Brother Smith, we're going to understand that if we don't kill this, we're going to see it again. So now we come to this guy called Absalom. And I hope you're following me. Second Samuel says, 3.3. 3, says, it's talking about David and the, kid, the children that were born to him before he was king of Israel. And he was, he was living in Hebron as the king of the south. Or he, had, he had been anointed king, but Saul was not yet dead. So he was not king, king, but he was king, sort of. And he had some children born then. How many knows there's some children that are born when we're not really in? We're not really on the throne. We're not really in control. We're not really uh, in control of our lands, okay? And there's some things born sometimes out of false doctrines or half-truths, sometimes that are children that are going to, they're going to come back to bite us later. Let's look at this. It says, and his second, Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. Now pay attention right here. And I want you to remember the word we said a while ago. It says, and the third, Absalom, the son of Makah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. Now, remember the Geshurites? They were supposed to die. The Geshurites were supposed to die. But... They hung around. They had their own little kingdom, Brother Smith. Be like a county, you know. They're all oh, the, the Amish community up north, you know. 
they have their own little community. It'd be like the Geshurites, you know. I'm not saying the Amish are Geshurites. I'm saying it's like that, okay? But understand that the Geshurites were supposed to die. But here, here comes, along comes David, and he takes a wife, daughter of the king, trying to make an alliance with him. And Absalom is born, okay? Now, understand this. If there's no Geshurites, there's no Makah. If there's no, let me go back. If there's no Geshurites, there's no Talmai, king of the Geshurites. There's no Makah, daughter of the king of the Geshurites. So there's no way that David is marrying Makah, daughter of king of the Geshurites. And there's no way Absalom is born to David from Makah, the daughter of the king of the Geshurites. So understand, you think it's no big deal, okay? You got people, I've, I've seen people, and, they're, and they're, they're crying out for deliverance from things while they're entertaining other devils, okay? There's people that are crying out for it. How many knows we got to want deliverance from all of our demons, all of our devils, all of our iniquities? All the things that he says, you know, I talked to one guy one time and he said, yeah, the Lord's really doing well in my life, but I still have this little thing with, with this, this over here that kind of, and I'm like, well, do you want rid of it? And he says, no, I kind of like it. Okay. He says, this is who I am. Understand if you don't want rid of it, you're not going to get rid of it. But understand if you're praying for deliverance, okay, from one thing. You better be praying for deliverance from everything. Because I tell you, an open door is an open door. It's an open door. And if it weakens you, just like that new sickness that comes along, that sinus infection is coming back, and it's going to be harder to deal with this time. Understand that things that don't die, they're not going away. They're gonna, they might go down a little bit. They might hide. They might stay in their own little kingdom. But there comes a time when you're going to be marrying one of their daughters. Somebody say amen. And then there's going to be born a son to, to you that you didn't necessarily plan. God didn't necessarily plan for your life. And he's going to try to usurp you and become king of your kingdom and seek your life. So understand that these things that, that, that seem to be minor things in our life, we need to root them out. We need to seek them. We need to get them under the blood and get them under the blood. Get them under the blood. The Gesher and, Ge Gesher and the Gesherite should have been wiped from the land. Instead, we see Gesher and its iniquity. Still infecting the land and endangering the king, bringing a vision among the people and bringing the land to war. Do you know there's people that died in that war? There's, there's lost souls that died in that war because the Geshurites were not killed? Understand, there's multiple examples. We could go on and on and on. King Saul and the Amalekites. Okay, he, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. King Saul didn't like obedience. He didn't like living in obedience. He didn't like walking in obedience. So when Samuel said, you got to kill them all, he didn't kill them all. And how many knows that there was an Amalekite on the battlefield that killed Saul? And understand this. A lot of people don't put this together. But later, while in captivity in Persia, there was a man named Haman. And he was a descendant of the royal line of the Amalekites. He was an Agagite. Now, Agag was not a name of a king. It was the title of the king, like Pharaoh. Okay? Agag, Haman was a, one of the royal line of the Amalekites. And Haman goes before the king and almost succeeds in getting the whole Hebrew nation in Persia killed. So understand, there is a penalty. There, there, is, there is something that happens when we refuse to kill what God says to kill. There is a penalty when we refuse to let die or to make sure that it's dead. Make sure that it's gone. Make sure that it's wiped out. And it may seem callous and it may seem cold. Lord, you're calling out people's sin. But I got to tell you today that my heart is stirred and I'm filled with an indignation today. And we got to say sin is sin. And, and, it's, and, and sin, is still, sin is still death, right? Understand that sin is still deadly and it still kills the soul. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth, what? It shall die. Understand, I don't care if you've knelt one time and named the name of the Lord. If you're living in sin, you're not, you're not heading to the kingdom. If you're living in sin, you're not, you're not, you're not living in the way that God has. There's nothing that you could say that's going to make that right. There's no matter. People say, yeah, but Jesus, God, God in the New Testament is love. Understand, he is love. But you cannot have the love of God without having the justice of God. You can't have it. 
You can't have revelation and blessing in the, in the, unless you have obedience. Understand, it doesn't come that way, and it's a hard way to preach today. It's a, it's a heavy thing that's on my heart today. But understand, if you're living, if you're living, letting something linger in your life, if you're letting something linger that's supposed to be gone, if you know for a shadow, without a shadow of a doubt that God has convicted you of something and you're allowing it to linger, you're in danger of hellfire. Somebody say amen. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know, you know, we can go, there's just so many, there's so many, if you, if you, if you choose, if you choose to look it up and if you choose to study it out, there's so many different things in the word of God that shows you this. There's so many different things in the word of God that shows you exactly what needs to happen. So I want to ask you today, as you come to the music, what's occupying your promised land? What's, what's, what's sharing your blessings with you? What is living amongst you and your family? What things are you allowing to live amongst you and your family? The decision to obey is yours and yours alone. Yours and yours alone. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. The things that are allowed to live, they'll come back. You're going to see them again. And they're going to affect you. And worse yet, people who come after you. There's people that are looking at your life. There's people that, 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 that are depending on you to deliver truth to them. There's people, there's your children that are depending on protection and prayer from a godly mom and dad. There's, whether they know it or not. Understand that the world is racing. I mean, I, I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like it in my life. This world is racing into the arms of a beast system. Racing there. And a lot of people want, oh, conspiracy theorists. And what? Hey, the Bible's not, the Bible doesn't have conspiracy theories. The Bible has truth. And when the Bible says that there's going to become a time when I'm not going to be able to buy or sell because I don't have the mark. That time's going to come. And in that instant, I got to make it. I got the, the choice has to be made long before that choice ever comes down the line. You got to be living. You got to be ready to make it like that. And understand that the Father's going to provide for you. And if he, you know, if, he choose, if he sees fit to let me die, then I die. Okay? But understand, it's time for some things to die, people. It's time. And my man, the Lord has really, really impressed upon me things in my life that I need to change. Okay, and we're not, we're, there's not one person that's without things that need changed. And every time my dad said, you say, if I got one finger pointing at you, I got three pointing back at me. So understand, I'm proclaiming it from, from the throne of God today. But understand, I'm proclaiming it to myself as well. It's time to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And it doesn't take long to knock us off course. It doesn't take long. To knock us out of the path or out of the way. Understand as the world moves forward, that line becomes more and more clear. And we need to walk on the correct side of it. Somebody say amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, Thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.